This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 870, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. And you. And you over there as well. Doolang, doolang, doolang. Doolang, doolang. He's so fun. Doolang, doolang, doolang. Wish he were mine. Doolang, doolang, doolang. That handsome boy over there. Name is Josh Flanagan. <laughs> I'm gonna do this whole show as Jimmy Stewart. My, 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 my name, my name is, is Josh Flanagan. And I, I won't. I won't. I'm sorry, everyone. This is my co-host Connor. I don't know. He didn't stutter that. Did he stutter? It wasn't like that. It was more of a stammer. Yeah, than a stutter. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know. Because that was his aw shucksness. Yeah. He stammered. Yeah. And he he he, yeah. he did it with the boys in the war too. Well, he came home different from the war. He came home changed. Did you read a book on him? Yeah. Nice. I read a book about stars who went to the war. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember you mentioned that. Anyway, this yeah. is Connor Kilpatrick. Him and I are going to talk about other stuff right away. <laughs> that has to be a record. Like, oh, for sure. I didn't even know we'd started. I thought you were still talking to me. And I was like, I guess we're doing the show didn't now. Didn't even get through the first line. Welcome to the iFitPoint Pick of the Week, episode 807. I should say, when I listen to podcasts, I hate when they do that. I hate it. Yeah, we're pretty good about it. But, no, I know, you know, I know. Clearly not this time. I mean, I think if I really like the show, I'm okay with it, like because that's part of it. But most of the, but I listen to a lot of like stories or informational stuff, and I'm just like, I, I don't care. That's not what we're here for. I don't like this show, so I don't like it when you're doing it now. I've never listened to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Every week, one of us picks. What's the, the show about? 
Snack cakes. Every week, one of us picks the book that they like best from their stack of comic books. This is a show about comic books. We will call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book and other books from the week. The patron pick. We will answer some listener mail if we have time. There will be spoilers to those books. There will be diversions. Oh, yes. There will be diversions. So if you if you if you're like me, you hate this show. You don't want to listen to it. You should probably go f- check out Serial. <laughs> they only did invent podcasting. So you know what they did? They just did a, a great. It's a serial is a great show. I, I can't I can't take that away from them. Connor, you had the pick. I did, and it was a week that was solid. I was going to say how to go compared. Not great. Solid. Like, I, everything right. we're going to talk about, for the most part, I enjoyed reading. Yes. It was like a, a week of threes and fours. You know what I mean? Not a bad week, mm-hmm. but, you know, nothing. At the end of the day, I was like, ooh, uh, okay. Wasn't painful like last week, though. No. And what happened was the pick of the week ended up being the Avengers War Across Time number three. And if you go on your digital reader, Josh, to page 15, do, 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 you will do, do. see the moment in which this became the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. And I'll wait for you to get there. So I was you in the wrong experience app. it. So along with the rest of the people. All right, that's not. I, hit, I tapped the wrong part of the screen. All right, Avengers War across <laughs> time. I hit this page. While Josh is looking, this is the third issue. The first issue was also picked. Like, this is Paul Levitz, <laughs> Alan Davis, Rochelle Rosenberg, yeah, Corey Pettit. And there's Josh laughing because he's hit the moment. I have. And this is the throwback Avengers title that takes place. Between the issues in the early days of the Avengers, like literal early days, like issues, you know, four, five, six, actually not four, because that was a cap. So like five, six, seven around there. And we have them fighting Kang because, of course, Kang is now the movie bad guy. So he's getting some more play, which is fine with us. And in this issue, Kang in the future, this is like, this is the Kang you want to have. Sure. He's mad at his toadies because they can't give him the view into the past that he wants to find out when the Avengers are at their weakest so they can destroy them. And he's he's so angry that he clenches his fists up around his cheeks and just goes, ooh! <laughs> that was... I was like, well, there you go. That's the Kang that was not an Ant-Man. So let's, and, let's just uh, focus on this page for just a second. <laughs> All right. First panel, that's great. Little, it feels a little like the Asian villain from the 30s, but we're going to go away from it. I looked at the anatomy of the third panel for a while to see if I thought it was right or not. And I don't think it is, unless Hmm. he has very dexterous knee joints. Like, there's some foreshortening issues that I don't know have been worked out. But I do appreciate the old-timey comic books. It's almost bad in the way that comic book drawings are supposed to be bad, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. If you look at it, like it almost makes sense. And then you, you think if you tried to stand up and put yourself in that pose with one foot forward, knee, out, his toe is pointed inward. Well, he's in the midst of throwing this it's goon. True. So perhaps he is in the midst of moving. He wouldn't necessarily be stuck in that position. So what's really interesting about this Alan Davis in here is I really never tended to think about Alan Davis as having a throwback style. And what that means is in the 80s, I thought he had a futuristic style. Like, I thought he was ahead of his right. time. But as I read through this book, I think this really looks like a throwback book, but it also really just looks like Alan Davis. You know what I'm saying? We've been reading so long that he went from ahead of his time to a throwback. I guess. I, there's something, like, if you look at the pages of, what's his name? The Dwarf King, Sigur... Yeah, whatever his name was. Like, there's pages, and that looks like... He's doing John Busema here. Like, that's what this feels like. Early yeah. John Buscema, like 60, you know, like this early This is very classic. 
Yeah, I can't. Well, he's not doing anybody. He's doing himself, but his style lends itself to a very classic his, Marvel His feel. older man style seems to look more like, you know, late 60s Marvel, which is really interesting. I think more in layout and composition than, than in actual rendering. Cause I think this that might is, be right. Obviously much more detailed than, yeah. than would have been done back then because Kirby was doing 12 books. Yes. But, I mean, the story itself is, you know, there's just like this rolling battle with this yeah. dwarf who keeps somehow getting the upper hand on Thor. But for me, it was an art tour de force. And I've always been an Alan Davis fan. Sure. But there's also another page in here where Thor finally confronts the dwarf guy. And they're, they're standing in the rain. And... It's very simple effect. It's not like very digital or anything, mm-hmm. but I just loved how it looked. And it just made me miss that classic Thor. And I like, you know, I've liked his various new costumes, but, you know, ever since the movies, they hardly ever have him wear a helmet. Right. Because Chris Hemsworth doesn't wear a helmet in the movies. But like here, you've got like the classic Kirby designed yellow boots, big blue circles on the chest, and then the helmet, which is so cool. Yeah. And then this like really sort of impressionistic water happening around them. I just I just loved that panel so much. And then again, every time Kang appears, like they don't shy away from how weird he looks. Right. The last page too, where he's sort of creepily smiling. Like this is this is the Kang that would never appear on a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, just and nor should just he. too weird. Look at his fucking head. You know, <laughs> it's giant. Yeah, but you actually get a sense for what the helmet is, and if it actually, like, if they tried to make that helmet in 1965, no, like, that's what it would look like if you tried to make it for real. Oh, yeah, I'm saying if they did it now, right? Jonathan Majors walked in with a giant round helmet Mm -hmm. on, everyone would be like, this is the bad guy? But we love him because we have the emotional connection to it. There was a bit here that I noticed is that Sindri is the king of the dwarfs, apparently, and he has an S on his belt, in case you weren't (laughs) sure. (laughs) <laughs> and and also Thor has a T on his belt because that was yeah, you know, they don't want to get mixed branding. up in the wash. So he burns through the the street to get away from them, right? Yeah. At the end of the page, and the hole isn't there. So we're talking about on page nine. Yeah, because it re- it closes in on itself. Yeah, but then as we go to page ten, the hole is very much open, and mm. then they say, "Oh my God, it's closing up after him." In the second panel of that, it was a storytelling bumble for sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, actually, by a couple pages later, there's still a big hole. Interesting. I didn't notice it not being there, but it could be. You, you could. Yeah, I think right. you no, could have saved that up. with coloring. Yeah. I think if you'd made that color on the ground there, like a flamey lava color, uh, you'd be okay. I liked that Thor was at the mercy of this guy who could also control Mjolnir. I really liked the panels of them fighting with each other and sort of the size of Thor doesn't really matter because it's another really strong magical being. And then that yeah. three panel sequence as they grab the hammer from each side and yeah. they move their hands up. And, and, you know, everything I say about Alan Davis or whatever, like, those are some fine hands he's drawing. Yeah. That's great. They look like good, strong hands. But also, it's just a great sequence. Yeah, it's, it's imaginative. You know, Thor is their ultimate weapon, right? He's yeah. He's a god of thunder. And so... You have to neutralize him somehow, and so they do it by having him right. fight a little dwarf who can also use his hammer and take it away from him and sort of neuter Thor because he can't fly without it. He can't summon lightning. Yeah. You can hear those hands slapping against it as it goes yeah. up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> this story isn't all that interesting. Its charm lies in its retro modern not even retro modern, just a retro like this this comic book could easily be out of the late 60s yeah they're gonna just tell these one-offs until they get to the culminating event with kang basically and it's not uncompelling for that no, i, I don't it, mean I to it say it's simple it, in fact like it, it just works you know it's like a simple three chord guitar song like it's great do the thing how thick do you think janet's hr file is or 
Do you think she has an entire cabinet devoted to her HR situations? She's, I mean, in the 60s? Not in the middle of the 60s, no. Right. But also, Janet, your husband is right there. I mean, she fucks. <laughs> she was, where's the part where she flies up to Thor and tells him, like, he makes her hot She's, She was a liberated lady of the 60s. She's doing whatever she could to... I'm not saying she shouldn't. I'm just saying she's... He should have just melted when he took a look at you. Like I do. Right. And I was like, Janet, your husband is right there. In fact, in the next scene, when we see them, like, they're all curled up together in the same chair in the Avengers headquarters. Yeah. I was like, weren't you just hitting on Thor in front of him? I mean, you know what she's going for here. Those are two big men. And she's <laughs> two a, big blonde men. And she's a very tiny person. And she... Again, she should have all the fun she wants, but she is married. And also, they work together. You know what? People were exploring. That's true. Cap surfing on his shield. Just want to go ahead and mention Cap surfed on his shield over lava. <laughs> I, Why not? That three-panel sequence was excellent. Yeah. And I really like the guy, hold on, sir, I'm coming. And the guy goes, my car's going to explode. And I, <laughs> I, no, I like that because it's actually on fire. Mm-hmm. And it has this reason that it would actually explode. You know, and he, he certainly, <laughs> and he's... He's, doesn't look like he's balanced on that no. shield. Also, where are they going? They seem to he's, be well, he's kind of he's kind of on it like a skateboard. Like he's got his yeah. back foot, yeah. and he's but yeah, like eventually the momentum of throwing the shield, jumping on it, and then adding the weight of the dude is going to slow that thing right down. I love it though. Like that's yeah, they should do that more. And people are like it doesn't make it's sense. Great. Doesn't matter. I think Paul Levitz has a really strong facility for this this yeah. era, yeah. this year, and it's really impressive. It is. It's fun. It folds right in. Yeah. It was fun. And again, that moment where Kang just goes, in mm, frustration sure. was, I was like, nothing beats that this week. No. <laughs> Did you read Superman Lost, number one? Nope. Superman Lost from Christopher Priest, Carlo Pagulan. I have to admit, I can't think of Christopher Priest stories that I've liked. I've tried all sorts of times, but it just made me mm. be like, nah, I got enough Superman. This Sell is me. a self-contained 10-issue miniseries that may or may not be in continuity. It doesn't really matter. It's not Black Label. But it, it's billed as being self-contained, which means it just doesn't deal with anything else in continuity, which is fine. That's good. You might enjoy this because it deals with relativity. Ooh. And you love relativity stories. He's a really smart writer, I think. So Clark, you know, is hanging out with Lois, and he gets called away on a thing with the Justice League. And Lois falls asleep while he's gone, and she wakes up, and he's just standing there in the apartment staring out the window like a statue almost. And she's like, Hey, what's, what's, what's going on? Like she's, he's not responding to her. He's sort of dazed. And Bruce Wayne shows up at the door. The only false note in here is she says Lois and she calls him Wayne, which I think is, he should never do. She called him Bruce. And so then they proceed to tell her that the justice league was on a mission. And in the course of the mission, there was a black hole that was formed underwater. And if, you know, if they didn't do anything about it, it was going to suck in all the ocean and the planet itself. So someone had to go in and close it. And Superman did. And, he was basically gone for like 20 years. That's what he tells Lois. He's like, I've been gone 20 years. And that's why he's in a daze coming back to her. So we don't see beyond that. Like the cliffhanger is what happened to him? Where was he? Isn't the same thing that happened to John Kent? How come she's wearing curlers? Well, that's maybe weird. she said she wanted to go curly the next day. I guess. Do people still do that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I feel like you don't see curlers very often. Now, what did Carlos Pagolian do recently there's a book that he did this looks like that invaders book that james robinson did but he was not the writer. that was carlos magno 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 yeah i don't know but i I like it i think it looks good Uh uh-huh it does the image of clark standing in the apartment was haunting 
He did Wonder Woman for a handful of issues in 2017. If only Comic DB still worked. Yeah. Either he hasn't worked a whole lot since 2017 or Wikipedia is not all that that up to date. I didn't love this, but I liked it. I thought it was intriguing. And I'm curious to see what they do with that, what the ramifications are of him having been gone so long. But there's some really terrific panels in here. Page 19 has been flying off with determination. This is a great panel. And they were really sort of acting the emotion of Bruce and Clark and Lois in the apartment was really well done. This was solid. I didn't love it, but I thought it was solid. It is good looking. As I look through it, I think the art is better than it might appear at first. I think the storytelling is really strong and yeah, the acting. Like it's strong. Said. Some of the pages are busy. You know, I don't often like really, really busy pages, but it makes it work here. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And the coloring is very bold and sort of a 90s style. Yeah, so All that's right. uh, Jeremy right. Cox. Well, I will. I will. Uh, I'll get to that. I'm not saying I'm in for the duration, but I'm in to check it out. Sure. For a bit. I had 17, 18 books. I didn't, I, it wasn't a small week for me. No, it wasn't a small week. I had a good number. A lot of image books. Hellcat. Hellcat. Well, speaking of art. Terrific. Yeah. The first thing I noticed as I was reading this is like, I was like, this looks great. Yes. I don't know who Alex Linz is. Right. But just a, a gorgeous style that is like just indie enough to look really cool, but also professional enough so that it's not like, well, what are you doing a Marvel book for? Right. A little bit of, oh, a proof Riley Rossmo. Mm-hmm. A little Riley Rossmo in there. I really like the way that Patsy is drawn in a lot of it, especially when it's her costume. She's all beat up and her shape is not sexy model shaped. Yep. It's a little cartoonish, but she just kind of looks a little more like a normal person. Right. I guess. Almost was a little more, I, I, I didn't know what they were talking about through most of it. Yeah, that was my only downside. And this is Christopher Cantwell, who we quite enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it says it was coming out of the events of the Iron Man Hellcat annual or special, whatever that was. I feel like I back. read it. I definitely read it, and I don't remember a single right. thing about it. So I was very confused. And then they added in Sleepwalker, a character who I'd know nothing about. Yeah, I thought, He's did I miss this? the whole 90s era of Marvel that I just sort of skipped over as a kid. So mm-hmm. I don't, when they were like, Sleepwalker, I was like, I don't know anything about him. And so in one sense, they actually told me some stuff about him. Sure. I didn't have any emotional attachment to I think it. he's Mumra. Mumra from... Yeah, from Thundercats. Look at page 24. Also, it was longer than normal issue. Those are Mumra colors. The hood, the wrappings. Thundercats? Yeah, Thundercats. He's the, he's, you know, Lion-O's nemesis. I liked it. I thought it was well done. I -hmm. think it's not about to pay off yet. And I wasn't fully lost. I was a little lost. But for the most part, I I was grabbing onto stuff as I went through. And it's a little, like, psychology heavy. Be a good girl, you know? Well, she has got a lot of issues with her mom, and yeah. so that's always been part of the character. And her mother, she is a, she is a character that's been around forever. Yeah. And her mother a is character. a ghost that lives in her house, and I was like, "That's fucked. That is a messed up shit." <laughs> Lily negative, and I, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I'm I'm certainly in for the duration. It's yeah. only five issues, and even the Alex Lynn's art's probably enough for me. But at the end, the whole you know reveal is that Sleepwalker is in love with her, and I thought it was somewhat similar to She Hulk. Yeah. In that a relatively obscure, I'm going to say relatively, a certain sleepwalker's not unknown, but he's not a, you know. Well, he's, he's, not, he's much more, much less well-known than Jack of Hearts. Relatively unknown character reappears right. and is in love with the uh, main character. And I was like, okay, similar, similar, but not terrible. That didn't really hit because I don't know who he is. So it's not like right. there was context for that. And I feel like the story should know that we don't know who that is. 
And so therefore that moment being written by like that, I don't think has the punch that it should. Right. Because I don't have any context for it, really. Sleepwalker. So his first appearance was 1991. Yeah. In Sleepwalker number one. That's sort of the era of they introduced a bunch of new characters in the early 90s period. You had younger characters like the New Warriors and things like that. So that was the time when they were. I just never read him at all. He got a series. Yeah, Sleepwalker number one. Was what was the was bit about how she, when she was famous, like when she was a kid? This is before she was a superhero? Yeah, so or? her mom wrote books that are, like were about her. And those are the romance comics? And, theoretically? Yeah, and so like she became famous because people knew she was the source of the books. The books were really popular. So this is like Gone Girl. Gone Girl? In the movie slash book of Gone Girl. Yeah. The pretty blonde lady. Was she? She her parents, who were awful, wrote books about her as a kid, and like they were like children's books. But she was amazing, Annie, something like that. Amazing. I forget her name. It starts with an A. It's alliterative. Was that Gone Girl? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Rose Rosamund Pike. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a storytelling thing that's used a lot because mm-hmm. I can. I'm thinking of other stories that were like that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's the conceit. I love Gone Girl. I've watched it many times. I will. That's all the Fincher movies of that era, though. That's the conceit: is she's rich and famous because of those books, right. which she was the inspiration. So this guy in the hospital then is Ben Affleck, and she's going to try to frame him for murder. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Be like <laughs> you get to the end of it, it's like he just did Gone Girl. That's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Black Cloak number three. Yeah. So I really still really like this. I still really like the Meredith McLaren art. I am on the edge of thinking this might be read better in a big chunk because Fair. I lose the thread on the clues and the suspects and even the crime. And it's not the fault of the book. It's just that it's pretty you know, dense. There's 20 books a week and there's a bunch of TV shows and movies. And keeping all that stuff in my head is getting more of a challenge as my brain begins to calcify. I don't have the decades of emotional institutional knowledge of superheroes to keep it all sure. track and so it's harder it's i harder. will say that part of my great backlog was black cloak number two and so i had read mm. this i had read it like the day before i read the third issue to sure. be prepared for it and i believe that that helped because by the time i got to the end of black cloak two i was like oh man i want to read the next one and i get to you know it was it definitely <laughs> right. was like that but the sort of the first bit reading that you know it'd been two months since i read the first issue and i was like all right okay yeah oh yeah she was stabbed and now she's fine and you know so the whole thing but you had sent me a panel of this and and it was mm-hmm. like there's a lot of letters on that and our professional Kelly Thompson should know better. And I don't think you're wrong. And as I'm looking through it, it's a fuck ton of people sitting in restaurants or sitting wherever talking a lot of dialogue. However, I didn't notice it, I think. That one panel I sent you was right. specifically because, not because there was a lot of dialogue or words. It was because the dialogue and the words took up oh, 85% the of the panel. Yeah. That was why, especially that one panel. The rest of it, it's fine. It's just that one panel was like, that's a lot. Which leads me to the point that I think that I, I was gonna get to it but the book is that i can really see the professional storyteller here Mm -hmm. if you gave me a summary of this book and you showed me a little bit of the art you know i'd be like okay that's an image series that i'm gonna check out and never read again because they don't have the chops to pull it off but as i was reading through this and i cannot tell you what the difference is what the you know 
intangible sort of differences. But I was like, I know where we are. I know what we're doing. This is a professional comic book writer telling a story that's pretty intricate of a world that we don't know that they made up and I'm good with it. And so many books like this. Well, yeah, can't pull it off. This is basically a fantasy book. I mean, it's a fantasy sure. detective story. And we've talked about a lot of those. We talk, we're going to talk about another one. Yeah. We talked about one last week. And for me, the success lies greatly in how accessible they make it and how not impenetrable. Because fantasy can be really impenetrable with all the lore and, yeah. and the world building and everything. Right. The writers tend to fall in love a little too much with the thing that they've built. Or try to be too coy about it. So there's all yeah. this shit going on. You're like, you're not even explaining it. I don't, I don't know what this is. This is just right. Like I said, it is intangible. I can't tell you what the difference is. Other than the fact yeah. that I was like, this is reading really well. I agree with you. And I'm not saying I didn't like it. I, I would, if you had me a trade of it, I probably would really, really like it. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to keep track of the things that are big reveals or big moments. You're like, wait, who is that mm-hmm. again? It doesn't help the story when that's happening. Yeah. Because you, you want to know like, oh, right, that's a big deal because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, but I really am enjoying it. I'm not prepared to stop reading it or go to trades on it yet. Right. I love the art. It's a little impressionistic, a little cartoony. It's very apt. It tells a really great story. The only downside, I don't know if this is intentional or not, is sometimes I just can't tell, I don't know, this is a minefield, but the gender of the characters I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. There's one point where in the castle, like the healer comes up to see the master and I thought it was a, I thought it was a man, and then it was not. I mean, it's not a big deal, but I just sometimes it, it's so impressive that you're not really getting the details of the faces. I mean, I can kind of understand a bit of androgyny, but sometimes when you're talking about a bunch of characters that you don't know particularly well, mm-hmm. maybe you know, genders maybe one of those things that we use as a marker to at least divide the characters so we can try to remember a part of them. And so you take that away sometimes, and you you're, you're like, oh, okay, this is harder to categorize for me, which I guess is a problem in society that I can acknowledge as well. I would say there's a lot of feeling staples in this, especially yeah, in that absolutely. scene where they're interviewing the, I don't know, is she a stripper? Stri- she I think a sex she is. Worker? Some kind of sex worker. That character design and the, and the way this was, panels are sort of laid out, there's some of them that are really for, very Fiona Staples-esque, the which is First really page, good. which I think is 14, 16, where at the bottom, she's sort of framed by the carousel panels and she's got her legs yeah. crossed and I was like, that's a beautiful drawing but that page is also beautiful let me ask you this in the mm-hmm. third panel of that page is that a prosthetic coming out of her midsection or is that just her belt i think that's her hand that's her right hand the lower bit okay yeah well yeah, it looks like she right has hand. a dick and maybe that's it does, that's but the other, that's, that's right hand. which which reminds yeah. me more of Fiona Staples than anything, because <laughs> I think that I mean apart from my friend Alex Robinson, she's taken over as the lead dick drawer in comics. I think. Well, when the issues come and out, Kelly Thompson has another book coming out according to the back of this issue. Nice, another image book, The Cull. I hope that doesn't mean she's not getting enough work at Marvel, but I suspect not. I, I mean, look, to... who knows? But. I want to say the smart creators, but, you know, if you've got an audience, as we learned from the whole Bendis sure. debacle, you go where the the ownership is with the, I, right. you know, the dreaded IP. Also, I assume that over the course of the pandemic or whatever, there was probably some time to develop some things. Yeah. And then I mean, she's still writing Captain Marvel. And I guess that it? that's it. Mm. And that Captain Marvel runs been going for a while. So I don't know how long, like for somebody to stick around for 50 issues or yeah, it's got to be near the end of it. Just based on how the economics work. I don't know what she's been announced. If there's been any announcements, hard to keep track of the announcements. True. Did you read No One, number one from Image Comics? Nope. Okay. (laughs) 
Should I have? I think we both do a thing where we check out the image list and we see, oh, what's new? What are the new number ones? What are the, yes. you know, we try to check them out when we can. Yes, absolutely. And so I looked at the cover. I thought it was an interesting cover. You know, really big title with this character jumping through an explosion in the background. And I saw it was Kyle Higgins and Brian Bucoletto. Veterans. Those are names that aren't going to scare you away. But they're also not necessarily going to reel you in. Yeah, pretty much correct. And then Geraldo Borges. Don't know him, but... That was pretty solid art, so I gave it a run. What I was not aware of, because you and I both stopped reading Kyle Higgins's Radiant mm-hmm. Black book. Yeah. And I've read a few issues of Rogue Sun, stopped reading that, is that he's been building a shared universe at Image. I think it's called the Massive Verse. So all of his books are in that shared universe, and this is one of them. I did not know that. That's kind of why I didn't read it, because... When Radiant Black came out, I actually really enjoyed it quite a lot. We talked about almost every issue for like the first 10 issues. And then it it kept getting bigger. Well, it became Power Rangers. Right. And I was like, I don't want to read six series about this. And it, it Well, re- just to be fair, none of those books are actually crossing over. It's just they're all set in the same world. It's like Marvel. Like this book is not crossing over with mm-hmm. Radiant Black. Radiant Black did not cross over with Rogue sure. Sun. At least as far as I read, I no, didn't but read there was like Super Radiant far, but... Pink and Radiant. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah, different those characters. Books, but these are... This is basically reading Fantastic Four, where right. where you also read Spider Man, where you also read Thor, which is fine. But the point being, like, I didn't want to do that. Like, I was, I kind of was like, all right, this is cool. I get that. Give me six issues of this, and then it, it was, it was like uh, Jeff Johns with the colored rings. This is awesome. And then it got way out of control, and that's kind of what it reminded me of. And so, right. you know, I was like, this guy, Kyle Higgins, I, I think, wants to build a thing and expand on it and keep going out. And I, I just wasn't interested enough to do that. So I just went, ah, I'm not even going to bother with it. This was okay. It seemed to be about a, almost like what if Anonymous or some other group of, you know, hacker group, what if there was one guy and he made himself into a superhero and outed people and doxed people and brought them to justice. I think that, I think that's what I read. I'm not entirely sure. All right. It wasn't bad. It didn't connect with me enough to it really stuck into my brain. Well, you tried it. But I didn't. It was professional. Which well, there you go. It was not nothing. It, it looked good. I thought the Geraldo Borges art was strong, storytelling-wise. And it was just interesting enough that I read the whole thing. I didn't stop reading it in the middle. I read that. I finished it. And it was long. It was 48 pages. Oh. There was a couple of books this week where I was like, shouldn't this be done? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that happened with the patron pick i got business to do here come on so it was okay if you're i think if you're a fan of kyle higgins you probably really enjoyed it and it's not bad it's really not bad i just don't know that i'm connecting with with it like i'm supposed to this week i also read secret invasion one through five. Oh wow on top of everything else yeah i'm curious what you thought ryan north francesco mobili it was interesting i enjoyed it i found the whole thing kind of bizarre because yeah. It's named after probably the last big event at Marvel. There were other events, but they're probably the last big one. Mm-hmm. And it's such a lightweight story. It was kind of off to the side, too. It, it was just that. Yeah. I don't know what it's trying to be other than a book to be out when the Secret Invasion show hits. But, like, and it wasn't bad. It was, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it, but it was just a lightweight story. And what it did really well was reinforce the idea of how terrifying the idea of evil shapeshifters are. Right. And how you can never sort of relax if you don't ever really know who is real. So part of this that was really fun for me was just like it was Ryan North. And I Mm -hmm. just kept, and I'd be a couple of times, I'd be like, who's writing this? And I'd be like, right, that doesn't make any sense. But it's like, it's full on. 
And it, it is done that way. Again, like I said, I think the art and the action sequences were as good as anything I've seen on mainstream comics recently. It, it, like to the point where I was like, all oh, right, they don't do action sequences very much anymore. Or it doesn't feel like it. I felt that the last issue, I was I was somewhat confused. Not terribly, but the last issue kind of wrapped it up quickly in a bow. I was like, I think maybe you needed another issue here. Well, and that's part of the problem. I think that's at least the lightweight feeling is that, mm-hmm. you know, you only get... 20 pages for five issues now for an arc. Mm-hmm. I'm really starting to feel it in some of these books. You know, that's a lot of pages that you're missing from what used to be 22 pages and six issues. I'm going to share an anecdote from the talks below that I did with Ryan North, but he said at some point, and it may have been early on, I think when he first came to a mainstream in Marvel or DC, whatever it was, and he did his script and then he was informed that they do comics that are 20 pages now instead of 22. And he was like, oh, okay. You have to go yep. back and fix it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, that's, uh, let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten. That's 30 fewer pages in a story arc. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pages. Yes, it is. And think about how much more you can flesh out the story with mm-hmm. 30 additional pages, something like this. The other thing that wasn't bad, it was somewhat distracting, was that Francesco Mobili was drawing Tony Stark as Tom Cruise. And I was... <laughs> a little distracted by that. I don't remember it, but that it's might be the case. It's not as glaring in this issue. A little bit on page 11, you can see it. But there's one previous issue where he's like in profile and it's exactly Tom Cruise. And I was like, oh, okay. He was for rumored to be playing Iron Man in the movies for a while before Robert Downey Jr. Thank God. Can you imagine what the I mean, this was good. I, I, look, I enjoyed it. It was interesting. It was fun. Yeah, I, totally. I found it more perplexing. Like, what is the point of this? Other than it's, right. you know, it's a good story. But like, why did they do this? Why did they call it Secret Invasion other than the TV show? Yeah, I just, and I just, but all that stuff was like, oh, screw it. I just go with it. Because it I'm used to feeling like I'm missing some other lead into this, but I don't even think that existed. And whatever. Okay, no. fine. I like making the squirrels more evil and dangerous and kind of silly. Because they are they I are also dangerous. liked Maria Hill in this. I think that. Yeah. I don't think she gets used very well very often anymore. They got to bring Shield back. Come on. I keep bringing up Wildcats because I keep reading it. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it. I'm out. But the thing is, kind of enjoy it. I kind of like this Wildcat series. I like it more uh, each time. I keep trying to put together who the people are because I don't read it all that often, and so like it takes a little. I'm like, wait, this is familiar. Oh, right, this is who this person is. This is that. But this is all just a little different, and they're moving them around. It's like another retelling of it. But again. I love Matthew Rosenberg's comic book writing. His dialogue mm-hmm. is about as good as anybody does it. Without being really snappy and impressive, it's just solid and strong. And he has a voice and it's compelling, but I really like it. And so, you know, on these characters that are not super treadworn, like a lot of them, I think it works pretty well. I think the art uh, by Steven Zagovia with Christian Deuce on this one, I believe, it's kind of perfect for what it is. It's a little mix of modern and 90s. It's just, it's been fun. Even Superman even showed up, and I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Just do it. (laughs) Whatever. There's a great scene, though, where Superman shows up, and he has to fight, I think it's Spartan. And the whole time, Spartan, who's like the robot sort of version of Superman, he's just like, I'm really sorry I had to do this. He's And he's very deferential to how great Superman is. He's like, I've learned a lot from this. Thank you so much. But Superman beats him, obviously. And that's it. It was great. (sighs) I just don't know what to do with those characters. They're trying. They're only there because of Jim Lee. The Last Barbarians, number two... So you talked about The Last Barbarians number one on the show. Mm-hmm. I hadn't read it. The funny thing was, after you talked about it, I went back and read it. Yeah. And then this came out. And I thought, oh, shit, I got to read one. So I, re- I started rereading one again. And I thought, have I read this? <laughs> and I couldn't remember until about halfway through. Then, oh, oh, I did read this. So it kind of didn't stick with me. Mm-hmm. This book is perplexing. It is. 
I actually really am into yep. the story, I think. Yes. I think what you're talking about with Black Cloak is similar to this, is that it's a very easy to follow, understand fantasy world. It's not too complicated. Yes. It doesn't try to bore you down in details of the world and the, the, the guilds and all the kingdoms. It's just, here are some ragtag outsiders who are pulling this job for this sketchy guy. Mm-hmm. And great. Who's clearly lying. Yeah, I mean, that's the only problem. I'm like, you guys don't realize he's clearly lying. You even noticed She it. had no other options. I know. It was either that or the whorehouse. I get it. First, I really like the art. Now, I'm not sure. I think that's where I'm sticking because the art is really inconsistent. And also, there's a lot of collage here. I like this book. Almost despite myself. That's, that's the way I would put it. Like, I was like, I don't even know if this is good, but I'm really enjoying it. So there's a bit where they cut to, it's on page like three, five, and they cut to a pirate ship sort of coming at me and the prow is taken up like sort of the two thirds of the page and there's yeah. weird flying fish. And then behind it, the clouds are much too Photoshopped, but yeah. I really liked that page. And then like a couple of pages later, I was like, Oh, these backgrounds are being taken from somewhere and put in, or at least done with a 3d modeling program. Yeah. It's collage. I mean, it looks like collage and you know, collage has this place. Jack Kirby used yeah. to collage for the universe stuff and different type, but yes. It's just like almost all the backgrounds here are photos or for me, it just takes away from, you know, immersing yourself in the world and you're like, oh, look at that photo of that statue. Well, yes. But again, is I didn't notice it until I noticed it. And once I did, then I noticed it. But I kind of wish I hadn't. Also, is this bad guy? Is that, is that Neil Stevenson? Is he? I mean, maybe. The, the, maybe. <laughs> but then again, like, so I'm going these characters, the actual drawings of it, I quite enjoy. I don't know. The main character's face changes a lot. And it just kind of bugs me. Sure. How inconsistent she is. But I like the ideas in it. Yeah, and there's some good sequences, I think. I think that the sort of wildlife in this is just a little different than what we're used to or whatever. And there's giant birds and like, they're kind of going for it. Again, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel. I don't think it's doing anything, but I do find it compelling. I have been enjoying yeah. it and I don't, I can't explain why because I'm not sure it's that good. Right. But I looked forward to reading it. I enjoyed it. I'm going to read it. You know, I'm, I'm still going. So I really like the bit where they, they quote unquote rescue that kid and he... Mm-hmm. the main character's brother has, has had some injury that has made him intellectually disabled right and the kid touches his forehead there's like a magic flash and now he's back to normal for a few small period of time i thought that was like there's just fun things that happen in the book yeah and you had like and I, not you, things. but as a reader i had forgotten at the beginning like he's not just disabled like something happened to him he had previously not been and of course that is right. such a, a sympathetic thing for the main character that she's got to take care of her brother like laura linney in love actually and right. you know and he's sweet uh, you know flowers for algernon or, or you know that whatever that kind of thing is yep the sweet giant it doesn't make sense but it's good <laughs> it's, it's good enough i'm enjoying it so those books we're going to talk about but at patreon.com slash ifanboy every patron of the show Gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. We had a lot of votes this week. Concentrated amongst about three books. But the winner, in a a landslide by the end of it, was The Forged, number one, from Greg Rucka, Eric Troutman, Mike Henderson, Nolan Woodward, Ariana Marr. This is the, I don't know, like 60-something-odd page. 64. 64 in this digital reader. I don't know if that counts. I don't know. 62 with covers. All I know is I was reading it, and I was like, wow, this has been going on a while. And I clicked on it. I was like, what? Yeah. Not in a bad way. It seems like it's Lazarus-sized. You know, yeah. he's doing those quarterly issues for a while. So this is written by Greg Rocco with Eric Troutman. Troutman is a friend of Rucka's. They worked together, and Troutman co-scripted Checkmate long ago, which is a great series. Yep. 
didn't ever quite get off much of a, a full career of his own from that. No, he does the back matter for Lazarus, like all the game stuff. He's also the, the designer. Lore. Like he designs yeah. the books and, and the you know he does all the graphic design for oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. The thing is, though, as I'm reading this, I was like, I can see Greg Rucka in here, but I also can see Eric Troutman. Like it is not just yes. Agreed. I mean that in a really good way. It isn't a straight up Greg Rucka book. It has got another element to it. And I know that that's Eric. Because of all that, like it really felt like, I mean, it's not, it's again, it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel, but there's enough different ideas here and enough things that are kludged together that don't normally go together that I did find it really interesting. I love the weird Victorian Navy that's flying this spaceship. Right. It's a space imperium kind of thing, empire. So there's an empress and she is, you know, all powerful. But she has this other woman who's like an aspect of her. Who's like in the Oracle. Sexy, tiny panties walking around this ship. So let's talk about that. So the first thing, I, you know, you notice here is you're on this ship and you're with these group of soldiers. They're all women. They're the forged team. And, and they talk like American Marines. They talk like... Male American Marines. Yes. They're very forthright about sex and yeah. they're cursing each other constantly and being very aggressive. And at first I thought, are we doing like a gender swap here? Because mm-hmm. these Marines are acting very male, but we weren't. But it's a very, I want to say more sexual book than you usually get from Greg Rucka. Yes. You know, the, what is her name? Mm, Cassandra, Cassandra is the woman, the Cassandra on the ship who has like these powers. When somebody says in a story that there's a Cassandra, what I, I can't think of what, what is that? That there's a thing, um, right? Cassandra there's was like you know, like an oracle type. She was endowed with the gift of prophecy. And then the Cassandra myth, she had the prophecy but faded that no one would ever believe her. But basically they use Cassandra as sort of like the the prophet female character mm-hmm. sees things. So she she basically makes the captain uncomfortable because she's like laying in her thing with her legs spread wide open. As you said, she's wearing tiny little panties and a yeah. little like Lilu multipass top. <laughs> And uses her powers to put some sexy images in his head of the two of them. It's very sexually open in a way that these books normally aren't from Greg Rucka. Yeah. And also, like, that scene was kind of interesting. Basically, she more or less gives him an orgasm, if nothing, in his own mind, just sort of by touching his hand. Yeah. And he's, like, super stuffy, like a Victorian sort of military. And he's upset that this person's on his ship, but he also has to be deferential to her or whatever. Right. Basically, she's like, there, I got all of that pent-up tension in you out. Can we talk now? And he's, like... (laughs) I don't, it was it was interesting use of a thing. It was again not a bunch of crazy ideas, but sort of put together in a way that I found pretty interesting. I noticed that this was long, but I I don't think it bothered me all that much. No, no it wasn't a bad way. I was just reading yeah. it, and reading it, and reading, it, and I was like, wow, I've, this should be over. Mm-hmm. This was probably my number two book of the week. Yep, after Kang. But if the only reason it wouldn't have been pick of the week was because you know you don't really know what's going on yet. They're on this mission to salvage this ship that crashed on this barren planet. They once tried to terraform, but didn't work. And they're far outside of the realm of the Empress, out of her jurisdiction. And I lost track at the end a little bit of what the leader of the Forged and Cassandra, what was going on between them. I didn't quite get it. There was some confusing bits that I was like not quite sure. I, on the other hand, like the art, we haven't mentioned very much. Mike Henderson, yeah. it's a name like I feel like I know, but I'm not sure. There may be some other one. I think it worked really well. I think space stuff is cool. The The main ship that they're on looks sort of like a Manhattan skyscraper turned on its side. And I was like, that is right. a fantastic ship design, like a capital ship kind of thing. You know, and the, you see it sort of in close up and then far away. You know, they've got these these mecha suits. Again, all these ideas we've seen before, you know, but right. pretty compelling, pretty interesting. And also not um maybe the Troutman influences. It wasn't so fucking dense that I 
and there was a bunch of back matter, but I didn't read it because I was like, I don't want all that. I don't need it. I thought it was it was straightforward enough. I mean, you had to read Lazarus for quite a while mm-hmm. before you had really any concept. And even then you had to think real hard about it. I didn't have to think real hard to read this. Right. Which sounds like it's like a put down. It isn't. It's just it flowed a little faster and a little better. There was enough questions that kept me from being like, oh, they're terrific. You know, right. like I'm not quite sure what I'm reading. Right. Not quite sure how to feel about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that will reveal itself over time. Yeah. But, you know, we're both huge Greg Rucka fans. Yes. And the, the work he's done with Eric Troutman was also very good. We'd love to checkmate. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see. I, all the things you liked, I liked too. The sort of Victorian Navy and space idea or aspect of it was fun. And, you know, I don't know what this is. Is this ongoing? Is it a miniseries? Who knows? But I'm sure it will reveal itself. I did not read the very long section of text in the back. There was a lot. At first, I read a thing, and I was like, okay, this is not just explaining the history. And then I flipped the page, and I was like, oh, here are many pages of explaining the history. <laughs> An overview of the tactical and strategic applications as examined by analysis of the historical development of the single pilot, crash-generated, advanced weapons platform, also known as the Forge. And I went, okay, I got more comics to read. The thing was, that stood in direct contrast to the comic book that I just read and said I liked that it was a little simpler. This is hard sci-fi, Josh. I'm fine with that. No, 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 me too. I'm just saying. And then the obligatory, here's some dog pictures on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you going to continue with this book? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, as well. What do you rate it? What are you ratings for it? Ratings. The next issue comes out April 19th, which leads me to believe that'll be a regular size comic. Probably. Unless they bank these up over the break. Break. Like we were all on vacation. The Rucka delay could be mitigated by having a co-writer. It's not Michael Lark. So maybe, you know, we'll we'll see. But I'm going to say a fair score for what this is and what it was trying to accomplish and how I feel about it is is I'm going to give it a soft four. Soft four. Yeah. Soft four. I was about to say solid four, but, you know, like I could see going 3.75, but I believe it has promise and I enjoyed it. It, Like that four is dependent on what happens later. But for right now, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be optimistic. I'm going to go 375, but I don't think that's bad writing. Mm-hmm. That's on the right side of good. I mean. Yes. Right down the middle is 2.5. You're talking about 3.75. You're on the good side. And again, this is based largely on my optimism. I want to read more. And I think that mm-hmm. given the pedigree of the creators, it should build on what this is. And therefore, it's good. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every page can vote to add a book to the rundown. Patrons directly support the show. They unlock shows for everybody to listen to. They become part of a great community. And we revamped our stretch goals for as long as those last. And we are still working on the other stuff, which is slightly more complicated than we thought. So that's coming. But if you want to support the show directly, even for as little as for a dollar a month, patreon.com slash ifanboy. We hope it makes it worth your while with all the fun things we do. ifanboy.threadless.com. ifanboy.com slash supports our PayPal tip jar. ifanboy.com slash Amazon's our booksplode links. And bookshop.org is where you can find and shop for books through small bookstores, small businesses. And help support them. I just bought several books from bookshop.org because that's where I do my primary book shopping now. Connor, don't you have books to read? I have tons of books to read. And I don't, what are you doing? I don't even have room. I have a bookcase dedicated to to read books. Oh dedicated. Boy. I've got and a couple I've of shelves. And I've run out of room on that thing. And that's so a problem. I, I even was stuffing books you know, horizontally at the top and I ran out of room. And so now I'm just sort of laying them in any flat surface. I'm waiting for the blowback. So hmm. what are you going to do? Stop ordering books? But that's not possible. Okay, fair enough. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you give the $5 or a higher level, you get your own bespoke superpower live on the show. 
like this guy. It should be known that Dustin Smith harnesses the power of party favors. Say that he's in a situation hmm. where he has to fight crime of some way or, or finds himself okay. in a, a, con- a convenience store being robbed, is that mm-hmm. he can summon and harness party favors to do his bidding. How does that work? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. Weaponized party favors. Confetti, pinatas, Christmas crackers, sparklers, little cheap toys, the goodie bags, glow oh. sticks, you know, <laughs> little bags of nuts. He uses all, all of those in Dustin's battle against crime. He yeah, employs yeah. all of the classic party favors. Well, I just, you know, like if you say that you're a comic book artist, right? That's a smorgasbord. Yeah. That's the stick of all the things you can do with that. Right. But also, you know, it's unexpected. Maybe you're hurting somebody. You're stopping them from hurting somebody else. You're hurting a bad person, I'm saying, right? But you're doing it with it's fun stuff. It's definitely unexpected. You don't exactly. expect a face full of confetti. Or just to get in, pounded by a gigantic pinata horse. And like you're right. out, but you're also covered in candy. So it's a good or a bad situation. You may be going to jail, but you at least have a couple of candies on the way out. You wave the hands and all of a sudden you're tied up with mylar balloons and floating up into the air. Uh-huh. This writes itself. This is an <laughs> Astro City character come to life. <laughs> Dustin Smith, thanks for being a patron. He's a $5 higher sport level, and you can do that at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks for being a patron. Let's do we'll do at least one email, and then I have a snack update after that. Okay. I thought you were going to tell me you have a snack. I was like, I got to get to this snack, so we got to wrap this up. No, no. I mean, I got to get to dinner. Sure. Scott S. from Chicago, Illinois says, hearing you two talk about the last week or two's pull lists got me thinking. I'm looking at my weekly books, and I'm feeling like there's less and less books coming out week over week compared to two, five, or ten years ago. I've done absolutely no research on this topic, but this feels true in my heart. I mean, it feels true. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. Is this just the general ennui, where there's still books that I'm just not interested in, or are publishers pulling back on output due to everything happening in the world? Everything in all caps. If the latter, how do you feel about this tightening of the publishing world's belt? What do you think happens next? I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, it feels... Feels like we have less really big weeks. There's been a lot of small, medium, and small weeks this year. I doubt it's a publishing initiative thing. It comes in bunches. It does. It does. I don't. The ennui is real. I think you sort of like I've seen well, this all. Two, I, I want two something issues. new. It's it's the two different issues. It's how many books are being published, and are you excited about them? I think those are two different issues. Yes. Yes. So let's put aside the quantity. And just say more or less probably about the same. Just we'll table that bit because I don't think any of us can speak to it with any authority. And then so the other thing is like, are they speaking to you? Have you seen too much of the same thing over and over? I certainly get that feeling sometimes. The other thing that makes me really want to do is find something great, you know, but that also means that I end up reading a lot of turds that don't quite have it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think comics are cyclical. I think they go through waves. It's always been the case. It's been the case since I've been reading and since the early 80s. It's been the case since we've been doing this show since 2005. Is you go through waves of being really excited and being, there being a lot of interesting things. And there's periods where there's fewer interesting books and things are less exciting. There's always interesting books. The question is how many of them are there. And that's just something that comes and goes in waves. I think things are definitely, you know, certainly different since 08 when the, when the movies came on the scene. But that was three years into us doing the show. We've been doing the show for 18 years. So there's definitely been times where it's been like nothing but you know blue skies mm-hmm. i don't know it just comes and goes honestly it's just hard to i don't like to put like comics are in trouble because they suck like because maybe they suck oh. right now but they'll be good in a month yeah i mean that, that, that is the point i was sort of agreeing like it's also not just comics it's just you as a reader i mean sometimes whatever the zeitgeist thing is if you're not into it then 
you know, you're, you're stuck waiting for it to change, you know, right now comics are super into fantasy and apocalypse. Those are sort of the two and sometimes at the same time. And I understand why, you know, for a while. You mean like non-Marvel DC books? Yeah, but even those, I mean, you, you see that stuff creep in. The, there's apocalypse books. There's was the Tom Taylor Marvel series. Deceased. Or no, oh, Dark Knights of Steel. You know, it sort of all creeps in and then goes away or what. But, you know, for whatever reason, or there can be like a flavor of the month style. You know, the, the early 2000s mm-hmm. saw a lot of people who wanted to write like Brian Bendis. There was that around a lot. And then, you know, there was a lot of Grant Morrison imitators. And those things sort of come and go right now. I do think, I don't know that there's an overarching voice right now. You remember the time of like the Marvel architects? I'm air quoting. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. things were kind of of a piece like at Marvel. And right now there doesn't seem to be much cohesion. Certainly at DC, that's the case too, I think. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I know that during the pandemic, like everything else, entertainment, comics sold more than ever mm-hmm. during the lockdown. But, you know, they don't really tell, they don't really put the number. I've been trying to find out why you've been talking, how many, and this, they don't put out like we're selling this many titles or this many comics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's fewer comics coming. I think that's probably the opposite. They got to sell more units to the same audience. It wouldn't make sense for them to sell fewer. And then the question is also like, you know, there's comics, but is it just mainstream issues? you know, coming out? Is it like just visually going through the diamond list every week? Doesn't seem like there's less, but also there's a whole graphic novel comics. You know, there's lots of comics coming out. Comic book issues is one thing, but you know, book publishers are spitting out YA graphic novels and kids graphic novels all over the place. Right. So it depends on what you mean by comics. Yes. Yeah. It's tough. I'm still reading, you know, somewhere around 15 books a week. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. I don't feel like I'm reading any less than I have than I have before. I feel like you used to read more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it's almost like you're not reading more. So you have a smaller average stack, I feel like. I had 16 books this week. I had 17, I think. Oh, yeah. I had 15 last week. I had right. 13 the week before. Three or four years ago, you were in the 20s regularly. 23 the year before that. I mean, just also, I think it depends on 16. I th- I'm, it seems to be averaging around 15, 16 books. Yeah. 16. Which is comfortable. 14. I'm just looking through this year's books. 20. I had two weeks, I think, this year where I had more than 20 books. 17. Mm-hmm. It's between 15 and 25 books a week. So you keep track. You have a, somewhere you keep track of the number of... I have a to-do list app that I used to keep track of the week's books, so I know what I've read and what's coming. See, what I do is I just delete last week's list every week. No, I, I, I can go back... Uh, to 2020 on this app because I had to change right. apps. The app I was using got discontinued. So I'd have like years and years worth. <laughs> the last week of December 2020, I had 30 books. Hmm. That's, That's too much. There's certainly 23 books, and you know, maybe, maybe he's got a point. Hmm. I'm looking. I'm just pulling up random weeks 2021. And I'm, I'm looking. Every one has been over 20. That's what I'm maybe talking I'm about. Maybe I'm about five books that. down. Yeah. But is that you or is that publishing? 22. Yeah. Literally every week I pick on 2021 is over 20 books. It could be that right now there's less I'm interested in. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I've certainly fallen off a lot of DC stuff because I just don't, I think they're a mess. I don't, I don't really like a lot mm-hmm. of the direction of a lot of the characters and books and things. I certainly think I feel like I'm reading less DC. Mm-hmm. And DC might be putting out less. I don't think Marvel is. Marvel's their strategy is always to deluge the market with their books, mm-hmm. push other books off the shelves. That's been their unofficial publishing strategy. DC might be putting out less, but I don't know that for sure. But Marvel certainly isn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying a lot of more image stuff, and you know. There's other companies I'm not as into, but I think, you know, he may be right. In the last two years, I may have dropped five books a week. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it. 
I'm sure yeah, maybe that mean, maybe that means that you're getting more out of the things that you are reading. 24. 13. I found around 2020 to 13 week. 21. Yeah, maybe. It could be down. But that, again, I think it's just the cyclical nature of comics. Here's a random week in 2022. Here's what I read. The Marvels, She-Hulk, Shang-Chi, Maestro, World War M, The Avengers, Iron Man, New Fantastic Four, Aquaman, The Flash, The Flash, Justice League vs. Legion of Superheroes, DC vs. Vampires, Nightwing, Batman the Night, Batman Superman World's Finest, The Calculated Man, Do a Powerbomb, The Silver Coin, Seven Sons, Rogues Gallery, Farmhand, and After School. One, one, two. I think you may have been reading more image. There were six image books in that week. Yeah. It's just cyclical. What's coming out, what's not. What is image publishing, what they're not publishing. You know, it comes and goes. Yeah. The real question is, what is your, your interest level? That might be the bigger question, not what's being and published. That, that can also wax and wane. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one should be quick. Scott H. from Portland, Oregon. How do you feel about big McFarlane slash Bagley style Spider-Man eyes versus small <laughs> Ditko Ramita style eyes? Do the size create different vibes? Do you have personal favorites? I've been thinking about this question for about 32 years since I first started reading Spider-Man. My first Spider-Man that I fell in love with in comic books was Todd McFarlane. Yeah. That was actually the first time I fell in love with comic book art. And so I love those big eyes. But mm-hmm. I think it is dependent. I think one of the nice things about Spider-Man, our friend Jim Viscardi did an Instagram post about this. And it's, he goes, we've mm-hmm. argued about Batman's ears, but no one ever talks about Spider-Man eyes. And I was like, I disagree with I you. I've definitely talked from. about it. Yeah, it, it may be. But, you know, but it's, it's like, uh, depending on the story you want to tell, you get to use that design. You know, if you want to do a... I don't know if modern is the right word, but, you know, a cartoony fun, you know, you know, you have the big eyes or if you want to do a more retro throwback or or maybe a more realistic style, you go with the smaller ones. Or if you want to use the eyes as a way to show his emotions, you know, you move the eyes around and you you give them shapes and let them, you know, they have that option. You can do with either of them. It's it's a stylistic thing and there's no wrong. In fact, I, I don't even tell you I have a favorite. Because it just depends on the story and the art at the time. Like, they're, they're, I'm fine with it. Like you said, it's different vibes. Yeah. I think. The big-eyed Spider-Man is very evocative of the 90s. Mm-hmm. When a lot of people who are reading now came into comics or for in the first place. I think I have, in my heart of hearts, I prefer the small eyes. Just because. I can see that. You know, I've been reading so long. And there was before this, the big eyes. I like the big eyes. I, I don't dislike them. But yeah, one, one thing I like about the big eyes is that it, it allows a bit more whimsy. Big eyes, I sometimes like when they have the eyes emote, even though it's a mask. Yeah, and I, I like that. I think it's cartooning, so go for it. It's got a time and a place for everything. I, I think if I had to choose one Spider-Man, it'd be small. But it doesn't, you know, I like it. I both. don't think most artists can pull that off. The big eyes? The small eyes. I think it oh. takes a deft hand to be able to do the small eyes at this point because the big eyes are pretty much the norm now. I will tell you, I do have a preference for McFarlane-style webs, at oh, least yeah, now. Sure. Like, like, you can't go back to the line-drawn webs of Dicko. How do you feel about webbed wings versus non-webbed wings? When I was a kid, I liked the webbed wings an awful lot, but now I, think, I don't think it works. I think it was like a cool idea when I was a little kid, like when Thor had a ponytail. <laughs> but I don't want it now. Well, I mean, it's not a 90s thing. You go back to the, yeah. the 60s, the original Spider-Man had those wings. Yeah, I know. I just Googled, you know, Spider-Man eyes, and I'm just looking at different drawings. And you know, I don't think I realized how big, like, the Bagley eyes are big, especially on Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man. It's just, you know, I just like the Ditko, Ramita look. Something yeah. about it, it's very elemental in me. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot when they used those sized eyes on the Tom Holland Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like that thick black small-eyed spider-man look but you know again the big eyes look cool too 
I think those wings would get in the way, so I don't like them. So either they're stopping him from moving, and he's got to be so lithe and move around. I like that. But the wings are either stopping him from moving or they're floppy. Either way, they're getting mm. caught on something. Big eye or small eye in the black costume? <sighs> I mean, if you're doing the black costume, you got to go big, I think. What's funny is the toy had small because they just used the yes, same mold over and over again. So he had the super small to- eyes on the toy. Mm-hmm. Which God, those toys are so bad, but so good. <laughs> Thanks to Scott. And Scott, a double Scott email day. Scott Scott wrote in, contact.fanboy.com. They wrote in for this show. If you want to be on the media split, but media split in the subject line. Let's do a quick snack update. Go. Even though I know we're long, but we got to get this out. Last week, we talked about snacks. Was it last week? So after the show, I mean, you may have seen this on Instagram, on mine or iFanboy's account. I went out that Saturday, and I, it, it was a journey, Josh. You were along for the ride. I was texting you sure. along that journey just to find some Hostess cupcakes. I think I had to go to four locations, three. In the format you wanted. Well, I went to a Ralph's, which if you don't know in California, is like the standard grocery store. And while they had a ton of Hostess products, they did not sell single packs, which means two cupcakes. They only sold them in giant boxes. And I wasn't going to be buying a giant box of Hostess cupcakes. I have my limits. And so I went from the Ralph's. And I was like, oh, well, there's a there's a Walgreens two blocks from here. I'll try that. I went there. And they had hardly any Hostess products at all. So I didn't get anything there. And then I went to, although I did buy bread at the Ralph's because I needed bread, just in case you wanted to know. And then I went to a CVS and they had uh, Twinkies, at least. They, did, they also didn't have any single Hostess cupcakes. They only had the boxes. I bought Twinkies. And I went to the cupcake place that I talked about on the show and bought their version of the Hostess cupcake. And so I had a Twinkie slash bakery Hostess cupcake Saturday. And I don't know what they're putting in the Twinkie, but it is very filling. Huh. Sponge cake, I feel like shouldn't be that filling, but I I ate the two Twinkies and they're not big. You know, they're not giant. And I felt very full after that for a while. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I was going to have one of both, and I was like, I can't even have a cupcake. I feel so full. Maybe it was expanding in my stomach from the chemicals. I don't know. I don't know. Are you done? I've been noticing a lot more hostess out in the wild now. Oh, I'm done. I'm not, I mean, yeah, you're, this is you're not, not good for you. Right. Unless they decide to sponsor the show, then I'm back on the hostess train. Mm-hmm. Right. Fair. But uh, look, if they want to sponsor, I'll have a Twinkie every week, but I don't think that's good for me. I'm no, no one wants that. I don't, I don't tell my doctor I'm back eating hostess products. He's going to yell at me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's good. I'm glad that you stuck with it. Did you have any snacks after we talked about it? No. No, I haven't okay. done any more. I was desperate. I did three in a night. But I have been in places where I could, and I was like, no, nah, yeah. I can't do this. The thing is, I bought mine in a CVS. And at the CVS, I can take three packages of Hostess right to the self-checkout. Oh, oh! you better believe I went to the self-checkout line. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, took, <laughs> I had a Twinkie, and I had something else. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but I was like... And I went right past, and I, I always try to go to the person because I don't want them to lose their jobs. I don't want this to become fully automated. And I was like, nope, <laughs> me and my shame are going to the machine. I self-check out all the time just because I, I don't like talking to people, which isn't really true. But yeah, no, I didn't want to say, but I'm guessing in a, in a, in a legal weed California, they see that a lot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what else did I buy? Something else. I was like, I'm going right to, right to that machine. All right, where are we at this? Okay, so let's do some quick plugs for the schedule because it may or may not change. We're in the midst of our eight-ish weeks of extra shows. Last week, Josh did his Talksplode interview with Ryan North, the aforementioned Ryan North of the North, of the Great White North. <laughs> Ryan North of the North, sure. 
And then this past week, right behind this show on the feed, we had our media explode for the month in which we reviewed the first season of The Last of Us and the first season of Star Wars Andor. And that was interesting and fun. This coming week is scheduled to be a review of Shazam Theory of the Gods. It may or may not happen now because uh, I'm finding the scheduling needle very tough to thread. I have a very small window to see and record the show because I'm going on a work trip. I'm going to try. It may get delayed a week, in which case uh, it'll blow up our whole schedule after that, which is supposed to be the Booksplode review of Kingdom Come, and then after that, possibly the animated review. So if you don't get a Shazam this week, it's because I couldn't pull off the uh, small window in which to see and record the show. I apologize if that's the case. There was a moment where my kids said, hey, why don't we go see a movie? Mm-hmm. And it was bandied about. So there might be a chance that I will actually see it this weekend. But I don't, I don't know. Why don't you go to Ant-Man? They don't want to go to Ant-Man. You could talk about Kang. Could. But I, I figure that'll be on Disney Plus before I know it. And that's why the box office is down. That's why everything's terrible. Yeah, I didn't hear anything good. So, you know, like if I had been interested, I'd have been there. I'd have done it. I haven't been to a movie in months. Hmm. You can find our... I, don't get... It's not my fault, Okay. Hmm. This is what happens when you become a parent. When entertainment is entirely people talking to their cameras on their As far as my children are concerned, that's all it is. I'm going to blame you. I'm just going to watch the 9 to 10 available Quentin Tarantino movies and Seinfeld over and over. <laughs> it's fine. I'm cool. Let's wrap the show up. Let this society just blaze into the ground. <laughs> I just needed to hold on for another 30, 40 years. That's fine. You can find our library of over 1,200 shows and counting over at ifanboy.com and wherever podcasts are sold. You can follow us at ifanboycomics on Instagram and find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes the best of the week in panels. You can follow Connor and I on Instagram at C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. It's not super compelling. I'm not going to tell you it is for us. Yeah, it's not that exciting. Not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you can subscribe to YouTube.com slash iFanboy where you'll find all of our old video shows. And we post this show there every week. So if you want to listen there, you can do so. And you can consider, please, if you would, leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps people find the show. It helps the algorithm. It helps, you know, it's a way people can discover who are looking for this kind of thing. And we were talking about comics and snacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many shows out there do that? Not a lot. Probably more than I think. Hey, we're done. That was fun. Yes. Another good show. I enjoyed this week. So we'll be back next week. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Bye-bye. I just can't wait to be held in his arms. I were a queen. And he